0: Thank you, choir, for that beautiful, beautiful message. It is well with our soul as we come to worship God this morning. We are now in the second Sunday of Lent, and we come to the story of Jesus telling the disciples what his mission is to be and what is to be expected of them and us as his followers. Let us hear God's word from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, verses 31 through 38. Then Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves And of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. The words of Jesus from today's gospel lesson are difficult to hear and especially difficult to do. Just a few verses before today's scripture lesson, Jesus asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? Then he asked them, Who do you say that I am? And Peter is the one that answers, You are the Christ. I'll venture that most of us agree. But what does that mean? For Jesus, it means that he must suffer many things. The ruling authorities will reject him, the leaders of his very own religious faith, the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. Because it is true that Jesus is the Christ, he must be killed and after three days rise again. But Peter would have nothing to do with it. He, and most likely the other disciples, could not accept or believe what Jesus told them. Jesus responds in a very forceful manner, "Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things." In other words, Peter is opposing the plan of God himself. Even though Peter declared Jesus is the Christ, he didn't like what it meant. And there are times that we don't like hearing such truth either, so we invent ways around hearing such truth. Worse yet, there are times that we try to convince others, as well as ourselves, that something is true when it really isn't. In Martin Luther's 95 theses that he nailed to the Wittenberg Castle Parish church door, he wrote... A theology of glory calls evil good and good evil, whereas a theology of the cross calls the thing what it actually is. Now, it's also a challenge to us to live from God's point of view in a world where such thing, a thing is it's contrary to how our society functions. And this is the point at which God's kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven challenges and overturns all of our normal human assumptions about power and glory, about what really is important in life. And this was also true for the disciples. Theologian N.T. Wright tells us, Jesus' friends and followers were used to danger. It was a perilous time. Anyone growing up in Galilee just then knew about revolutions, about holy people hoping God would act and deliver them, but ending up getting crucified instead. Any new leader, any prophet, any teacher with something fresh to say might end up going that way. The disciples must have known that by following Jesus, they too were taking risk. The death of Jesus' cousin and mentor, John the Baptist, would have confirmed that. But this was different. Mark says Jesus began to teach them this, implying that it was quite a, a new point that could only be begun once they had declared that He, Jesus, was the Messiah. And the new lesson wasn't just that there might be danger ahead. The new lesson was that Jesus had to walk straight into it. Nor would it simply be a risky gamble that might just pay off. It would be certain death. This was what he had to do. So there was good reason for Peter's strong negative reaction. You see, true messiahs just shouldn't get killed by the authorities. A messiah who did would be shown precisely as a false messiah. So there's double reason for Peter's rebuke. Not only was he wanting to protect Jesus, he was also trying to make some sense out of it or talk some sense into Jesus. Now, I am going to give you an illustration that I recognize is an oversimplification, but it would be a little like having one of the Super Bowl coaches tell his team that he must let the opposing team win the game. What if... The New England Patriots coach Bill Belichick or Seattle Seahawks coach Pete Carroll had directed their team to go out onto the field and let the opposing team score at least 10 goals right off the bat, giving that team the winning advantage, while their own team remained standing there on the field in silence, letting it happen. Can you imagine how that would have gone over with the players, let alone the fans? In fact, some of the Seahawks fans may have thought that's what Carroll was doing on that last play he called, as Jeff referenced in his sermon last week. Of course, there really is no comparison to what Jesus is telling the disciples here. The Super Bowl is just a game believe it or not not a life or death matter yet that's much the way it looked to peter this was not what he and the rest had in mind this this is not what they had signed up for the disciples may not have thought jesus was A military leader as many of the Jews had hoped he would be but they certainly didn't think of him going straight to his death you remember comic strip character Charlie Brown he once said winning isn't everything but losing isn't anything and Jesus seemed to be saying that he was going to go lose even worse Jesus was inviting the disciples to come and lose alongside him If any want to become my followers, Jesus says, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Now, at this point, I think our culture gets in the way of our fully understanding this. I'm sure most, if not all of us, are familiar with the expression having a cross to bear or something similar, meaning a heavy burden of responsibility or a problem with which we alone must cope. Jesus didn't intend for all of his disciples to go out and be crucified or killed with him. In fact, there wouldn't be anyone left to carry out the Great Commission if that was the case. So what is the cost What does it mean to follow Jesus to his death? The apostle Paul says in his letter to the Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Notice that expression, crucified with Christ. Paul knew what it meant to take up his cross and follow Jesus. It didn't mean a physical death. It meant a spiritual death. It meant dying to part of himself which was in opposition to Christ and turning instead to living by faith in the Son of God. Jesus says in our passage, deny yourself, take up your cross. We are called to deny ourselves because our nature is often to go against what God wants. But if we are crucified with Christ, it is a significant change of direction. We acknowledge that Jesus is Lord of our life, and by faith we live a new life to please him in the knowledge and the acceptance that we have been forgiven. Now that's all very well, but how can a follower of Jesus completely share in Christ's death? Surely no one can be totally transformed like that, and that's exactly the point. No one can live a life which is completely transformed. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't try. Just because we aren't yet totally transformed and won't be in this lifetime, just because we miss the mark in loving God 100% with all our heart, mind, body, and soul, and loving our neighbor as ourselves, doesn't mean we shouldn't try to do so with God's help. The key question now becomes, why should we be followers of Jesus? Why is it so necessary, given that following him seems so hard? In verse 35, Jesus gives us the reason why it's so important for us to follow him. He says, for those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake And for the sake of the gospel, we'll save it. Jesus' description of the Christian life sounds more like a warning than than a sales pitch, doesn't it? He spoke of counting the cost, of denying ourselves, of taking up our cross and following him. Dr. Paul Brand says, While that attitude used to puzzle me greatly, I now believe Jesus was simply underscoring the need for loyalty, which, as a doctor, he puts in biological terms, meaning the need for individual cells within the body to offer up service for the whole body. So in Jesus' case, it would be for individual people to offer up service for the whole body of Christ. And that's really what ministry is all about. The body of Christ is the church where we all come together to serve together, to be one in Christ. So what Jesus is saying is that people who lose their life for him and for the gospel will actually find it. Living a life with Jesus as Lord of our life is the most fulfilling life that is possible to have. In fact, ask anyone who has, has served in mission work, who has helped someone or ministered to someone. They will tell you. That they themselves are the ones who are fed, who, who are filled, who are nurtured by the experience. Jesus says in John's gospel, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. But it doesn't stop there. There's more. Notice back in verse 31 how Jesus says that after three days he will rise again. Those who would follow Jesus, who deny themselves, who take up their cross, will ultimately join in his resurrection. In fact, the apostle Paul wrote in Romans, For if we have been united with Jesus like this in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection. A life lived for Jesus and the gospel is the fullest most meaningful life that you and I can have not only in this life but in the life to come as we prepare our hearts and minds to come to the Lord's table today let us once again be reminded of the gracious forgiveness that we find there. And let us renew our promise to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and to follow Jesus so that we too may have life abundantly. Thanks be to God. Amen.